Welcome to the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. The NBA is central focus today, so switch off your dial if you're not into basketball because we are at the business end of the NBA season. There's so many playoff races, some that you probably don't even realize are playoff races. Just look at the standings, lots going on. And to do that, I'm bringing on my friend Dennis Syatt from Belgium, the host of the X and O's NBA podcast. He also commentates on a lot of NBA basketball from Belgium. He had the pleasure should I say, displeasure of commentating on the Boston Celtics-Chicago Bulls game on the, on the weekend. That was a fun game, wasn't it? Bulls failing to score after about six minutes in the first quarter. They put their first basket through. But there are some exciting teams. There are some exciting matchups to come. 20-ish games to go. It's getting exciting. I can't believe we're only two or three weeks away from playoff basketball. Dennis Sight, let's get to it. Every time I bring this guy on, I have to ask him how to pronounce his surname. I'm going to let him do that today. So, Dennis, please allow the listeners to be told the correct pronunciation of your surname. It's so easy. It's Sayed. It's, it's really easy. You're right. When you see it on paper, it's, it, it looks difficult. But to pronounce it is just Sayed. So, Dennis Sayed. That, that's not, it's not that difficult. It's not a Belgian name, too, by the way. Sayet. I think we're the, only, we're the only family in Flanders in the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium with that last name. So it, is a, it isn't that common here, too. I cannot do it with the enthusiasm or the accent, though. That's the problem. I think every time now, going forward, you can just pr- introduce yourself. Is that all right? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, we, we, need, we need a theme song, man. We need a theme song for uh, when we do something together. We do. I mean, you've got the X and O's podcast, which turns into Zayat and Others, which is very clever. I don't have anything quite as clever as that. US Sports Podcast is is fairly original. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a teammate of mine actually came up with it. He uh, he, uh, he suggested um, do something with X's and O's, and then another one said, "Yeah, X and O's," and then my I made Zayat and Others of it. So. It's all ah. teamwork, all teamwork. Okay, yeah. so you're not claiming full... <laughs> when it becomes, no, no, when no. It becomes a multi-million pound, euro, <laughs> dollar, whatever we're doing... Yeah, right. He'll get In half. Dutch. <laughs> That's good, man. Well, we are into the business end of the NBA season, and I really am dying to talk NBA with you because there's so much going on. There's so many storylines. Dirk Nowitzki's got 30,000. The Lakers are imploding. But the playoff races is kind of where I want to start because all right. suddenly we've got... Some really fascinating races going on. And as we speak, it's Wednesday night. We've got uh, Bucks, Pistons, Pacers in that order from eight up to six. And the Bulls and the Heat just outside. Bulls are ninth. The Heat are tenth in the Eastern Conference. And we're talking about those final three spots uh, in the postseason for the Eastern Conference. Now, right now, Indiana, for me, has been kind of a pretty uninspiring all season. But I wanted to start with Detroit because they're currently seventh. They're 11 and a half mm-hmm. games back at the top. They're a game behind Indiana. They're 33 and 34 as we speak. They, they got it going a little bit. I watched their game against the Cavs yesterday. Um, didn't do so well. But Drummond is no longer keeping them down. You've got Caldwell Pope creating off the screen. He's rebounding. This team is rebounding really well. And they don't turn the ball over at all. So are you, I mean, are you interested in Detroit in this little pack of five teams? I'm starting to get interested in, in, in the team. I'm more, getting more interested. I, was, I liked them last year in the playoffs against Cleveland. I thought they gave them a run for their money, actually. It was the best team in the Eastern Conference who played Cleveland, according to me, um, in the playoffs last year. Um, 
And now, yeah, in the beginning of the season, uh, I, w- I was just, I wasn't inspired by it. Um, then Reggie Jackson came back, and he was so bad. <laughs> and so they had the, the player-only meeting where uh, Reggie Jackson, he heard it from his teammates because they didn't like uh, the way he was playing. But now, like you said, they rebound like crazy. They don't turn the ball over. And the main thing for me is it's starting to look like a real Stan Van Gundy team. Um, with the big man, Andre Drummond, in the middle, the shooters around it. They need more shooting, though. But I think they have enough talent to, to make it to the playoffs this year. Um, that should be. And, and it's partly because of how Stan Van Gundy coached this team. Reggie Jackson is playing better the last weeks. And they defend well. That, that's the key. They rebound like crazy and they defend well. And they don't turn the ball over. Those are three crucial things if you want to make the playoffs. And you, if you've got some talent, of course, it's according to me. Another team that in the East are just hanging around, right? Like You mentioned Reggie Jackson coming back. And he didn't play. He didn't play well. And why? Why a potential playoff team would be riding on the back of Ishmith? I don't know. But something seemed to work up there. I'm going to be. I, I like. I like Ishmith actually. I like how he plays. I like him more than Jackson this year. Well, Reggie Jackson just had all this potential, and mm. you kind of expect him to go on another level this year. Stan Van Gundy. I expected him, having worked with Dwight Howard in the past, to be able to elevate Drummond. And I'm just. Slightly worried that, you know, we've seen with Howard, the, the irony is that he wanted to move out of Houston because he wanted more touches on offense, but he's actually the same player in Atlanta. He's never been able to move outside of his skill set. And it's, I'm thinking about that for Drummond too. Now he's under Van Gundy. Will he be able to, first of all, shoot a free throw, but also get that rhythm, get that game and the footwork? But I'm going to be... I think, he has to, I think he has some more moves than, than Howard had back in his Orlando days because Howard was just a freakish athlete mm. who jumped over everybody. Uh, back then, that was impressive, right? Just you just threw the ball somewhere in the sky, and Dwight Howard would get it, and he would demolish his uh, his defenders. Um, Drummond has more finesse, has more flair in his moves. Uh, you watch him do a drop step, get back to it, uh, turn over the left shoulder, turn over the right shoulder, and he's got a a nice range on his jumper, on his jumper now, on on his hook shot. Um, he can't shoot at all. That's true. But does he need? Yeah, he needs to be better at the free throw line. That's true. But I think he's got more potential than Howard did offensively. Maybe I'm wrong, but well, because I that's guess what Howard I when I watch him play. 2011 Howard, he would get the ball in the post and he would just put his shoulders into the body of the defender and he'd blow past you for a dunk. The the, the Detroit schedule is is pretty nice. If I run through it quickly, they got Utah, Toronto, Phoenix at home. They're at Brooklyn, mm-hmm. at Chicago, at Orlando, at the Knicks, and then Miami at home, Brooklyn at home, and they finish on the road at Milwaukee. So. Right now, that Milwaukee-Detroit game, the last game, could potentially decide seedings. Um, yeah. And they have the tiebreaker over Chicago and Milwaukee right now. Yes, indeed. That, that's important, too. I think the eighth spot is the most fun, though. Um, Miami, their last four games, <laughs> Toronto-Washington, Cleveland-Washington, <laughs> and then they go off again. That's crazy. They've got the tiebreaker, Miami, over Indiana-Milwaukee. They're just, right now, they're 10th in the East. They're, I think, I'm just looking at it now, they're a game... They're, no, they're half a game behind the eighth spot. They've impressed me so much. They, they are defying logic. Eric Spolstra, if it wasn't for Greg Popovich, <laughs> would be coach of the year for me. You've got a team with Mar- Rodney Magruder, Luke Babbitt, guys like this, and James Johnson has shedded like 40 pounds. And hey, Sam Whiteside and, doesn't and play with... Start. Sorry? Yeah, Magruder and Babbitt, they start too. Yeah. This, are they defi- To me, they're defying logic. Sam Whiteside is one of the most joyless basketball players I've ever seen. <laughs> he is, and he still puts up 20 and 15 almost every night. Uh, that's amazing. But he, yeah, he's also a freak of nature when you, when you look at him. 
look how he's built. He's he's like a Greek god. <laughs> it's not it's not normal how he how he's built. Just such a monster, uh, Whiteside. Um, I don't think he likes basketball very much. It doesn't look like he likes to play that much. But like you said, Eric Spolstra, Eric Sphinx Spolstra. <laughs> how can Miami get in? The playoffs with that roster, and still I give them the biggest chance of the three, I think, of Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee. I think. But, yeah, I like, I've always liked Dragic. I've always liked his play. Um, his demeanor, he's a, he's a tough guy. He wants to win. But they got Dion Waiters. I don't like Dion Waiters, but... Oh, you haven't bought stock in Dion Waiters Island. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! I love it when I love it when Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons uh, start about that about <laughs> their about their stock on uh, on Waiters Island. I think they're the only two who didn't sell. Uh, they did not sell up. It, cl- it sounds like you didn't buy in the first place. No, 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 no. I I, di- I didn't go on a uh, go on the ferry. I left it there. Uh, <laughs> but he's shooting well though. No, beach. like if if you look at the standings right now, there's two big reasons why you'd rather have Miami. Than Chicago. First of all, the balls are crappy, and we're going to get onto the fact that you called the game against the Celtics. Second of all, I want to see Dion Waiters against, you know, LeBron James again. I want to see that matchup. Oh, he's going to take 30 shots a game. <laughs> he's hitting shots. <laughs> he's hitting shots. Yeah, but he's not taking 30 a game. I think he's going to turn into a Westbrook mode and think he is Russell Westbrook and then ruin everything for Miami. A big sweep. Uh, that would be lovely. I, I worry, <laughs> the, the thing I worry about the Heat, though, I mentioned it, they play Washington on the road and at home, two of their last three games, and sandwiched in between those, Cleveland and Toronto. And it's not as if the Wizards won't have anything to play for. At that point, they could be going for the first seed or trying to solidify the second seed. Mm-hmm. But Miami, the way they move the ball, aside from Waiters, who goes on his own little, uh, well, swim through Waiters Island and shoots the ball a lot, you've got so much movement. Dragic is shooting the ball well. He's worked on that. Every time a player from Miami catches the ball, they are giving it up, they're passing, they're dribbling, they're driving to the basket. There's just an aggression. And that is the complete opposite of your friends, the Chicago Bulls, who you had the uh, the joy of commentating uh, on that game against the, the Celtics. Privilege, the privilege uh, of commentating that game. Uh, wow. The game was two minutes far, and I knew what time it was. It was uh, Sunday evening games aren't that easy to uh, to do, to commentate on, because you know it's, afternoon in the States, you know, the first half, most of the time is lousy. But this, this was something else. This was something special. It took them five minutes and 55 seconds to score their first basket. 5.55. They scored <laughs> nine points in the first quarter. And even worse, they didn't score a point in the, in the paint. Not one. And when that, that's, when that's that first basket was in, it was a Dwayne Wade mid-range jump shot that I did not think was going in. It was so depressing, for real. And, and not because I've got a soft spot for the Bulls, just because that's not an NBA team. What I saw wasn't an NBA team. And it starts with the four lousy point guards. I don't know how to, how to call it. It has, it has to be a worse word than lousy. But when you start Jerry and Grant, not good enough. He's the worst then of the four. Got... <laughs> he is. But then you got Rondo, washed up. Michael Carter-Williams, never liked him. Never. Not even when he was Rookie of the Year. Overrated. Uh, he, can't shoot, he can't shoot anything. I, do, I don't think he can, he can shoot five baskets in a row in, in a warm-up. And who's the, f- the fourth one? Cameron ah, Payne. 
And Isaiah Kanan actually too, right? So they got five. Cameron Payne and yeah, and they've got they brought him in. They they gave up the they gave up the house. They gave up their second best player, Taj Gibson, and they said, "Okay, Oklahoma, you need a shooter. We'll throw in Doug McDermott and we'll get Cameron Payne." And everyone starts. I love these ESPN reports like, oh, yeah, the Bulls really believe that Cameron Payne can be their starter of the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, okay. He was backing at Westbrook. He shoots every time he sees the basket. He's an erratic player. He's not a point guard of the future. And they gave up a lot to get him. And that's what that's kind of the next direction of the, the conversation with Chicago is where the hell are they? What, where are they going with this? They, they're I don't know. Toxic I don't know. They need, shoot, they need shooting, right? They need some shooting because that was their their. Um, their weakness in the beginning of the season. We knew they had no shooting with Wade, with Rondo, with Butler, even though Butler is playing a great season, actually, individually. He's not that great of a, of a three-point shooter. That's, that's just a fact. Uh, you have Mirotic, whose percentages aren't that good either. I don't know where he is. Is he going back to Spain, back to Serbia? I have no idea where Mirotic is because he's not with the team. Um, so apparently um, fell out of the grace of Fred Hoiberg. And then you decide to trade away the most respected guy in the locker room in Taj Gibson and your best three-point shooter in Doug McDermott. Yeah, you get Anthony Morrow back, but Morrow doesn't leave the bench. So what the hell are they doing? Even their players don't know. Dwayne Wade was, was asked a question um, after the game, and he was really critical. He just uh, told them, yeah, I go ask management uh, because I'm sick and tired of uh, answering these questions. If Dwayne Wade says that with his experience and... Uh, his demeanor and how he normally conducts himself, then you know you've got a big issue. The news gets worse because their last five games, they are at the Knicks, at the Sixers, at the Nets, and then they go home to play Orlando and Brooklyn. That easiest, easiest, easiest schedule, schedule in the league. Of this lot that we're talking about, if you don't want to see the Bulls in the playoffs, those final five games have a lot to say uh, for that. So, I mean, if you look at that team and if you look at that game with the, against the Celtics, you had Bobby Portis, who was, I, I mean, I like Portis, but he kind of has this rule of I'll shoot everything I get. Every time I get the chance, <laughs> I'll shoot the ball. But he was grazing the rim to start that game. You had a ball go through Robin Lopez's legs. Jimmy Butler was missing layups. And then you mentioned the four point guards. They're overloaded with point guards. And Miritich has just fallen off the face of the earth. They got no confidence in Fred Hoiberg's offense. And then you add the fact they have a corrosive and, I don't know what else to say, toxic front office then. But we kind of run through those teams, Heat, Bulls, Bucks, Pistons, Pacers. The, Indiana, look for me, they're just sticking around that middle, the middle uh-huh. seeds all season. I like Detroit to stay in. For me, <coughs> the eighth spot is between the Bucks, the Bulls and the Heat. And if I had to guess right now, I would say Miami because they, they just look good. They just look together. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I hope Milwaukee. I want to see LeBron versus Giannis. I want to see that matchup. Um, I, and I like, my, I like Milwaukee the most of those three teams. Um, but that's just my, my point of view. Uh, so it's not really that objective. But yeah, what, what you said, the schedule of Chicago, I, I see them getting in. I hate it, but I see them getting in just because of that schedule. The, the, the good part is that yeah, Brooklyn has nothing to play for. Because they don't have a they don't have a draft pick because it goes to Boston, so maybe they'll try something. It's still Brooklyn, but that's also the issue. It's still Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It can go either way. I mean, so, the, the, yeah, no. if you're looking at the schedule of the Bucks quickly as well, they have to go at the Clippers, at the Lakers, at the Warriors, at the Blazers, at the Kings, and then they face Atlanta. So that's pretty tough. Uh, if we go up to the top of the East. Cleveland two and a half games clear at the moment of Boston, then Washington in third, three games back. 
Uh, Cleveland currently has the tiebreaker on both, but 29th in defense in the league since the All-Star game, 22nd in efficiency. The Celts have a ton of home games. They have an absolute ton of home games. Just going to run you through them now. Minnesota at Brooklyn at Philly. Then they have Washington, Indiana, Phoenix, Miami, Milwaukee, and Orlando all at home over the next couple of weeks. So they've got a pretty decent schedule. The Wizards have a tough one. The Cavs, Kevin Love's back soon. Larry Sanders is in. You know, this team, you kind of consider them, they're always, they're always two or three games ahead. There's never been a point, even when the Raptors were there the last couple of seasons, where it would get to within one game and then you'd say, oh, maybe Cleveland will drop out. I don't see them uh-huh. forfeiting the one seed. Uh, to be honest, this is the, the race uh, I actually don't care about because it doesn't matter if Cleveland is one or two. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. The 29th in defense, I've seen the numbers. I've seen them play defense. That doesn't matter. If you look at how they started the playoffs two years ago, they were, weren't that good in defense in the regular season back then in 14-15. Then the playoffs started, and they were another team. They know how to turn it on. They know when to pick up their real defense. Um, I don't believe, even if Boston jumps over Cleveland or Washington, that doesn't matter. I still see Cleveland winning the East. The only thing that matters to me is I want to see Boston at number one because that's what I predicted in my preview before the season began. Really? And everybody was calling me crazy. Yeah, Boston at one and Cleveland at two. So. That's what I what I'm what, what I'm hoping for, so I can <laughs> I can point to everybody that uh, I uh, I was right in the I'm first just, place. But I'm just hoping that the Wizards do do something because I when I was on your podcast, I don't know four weeks ago, something like that. Mm. We started talking about the Wizards right after that game against Cleveland, and at the the time, you thought I was pretty stupid to say this team's pretty good, and obviously since then they've added a couple of pieces, Jennings and Bogdanovich, but. They've got a real tough schedule, and I really think, though, that this team has a chance to, to take Cleveland to seven. I really, really believe that. I know the Cavs are stacked. They've got Darren Williams on board now. Uh-huh. They're going to have Corver back. They've got J.R. Smith back in the rotation. The Wizards, uh, for their chances, they've got to play at Cleveland, at the Lakers, at the Clippers, at Utah, and at Golden State. That's a rough five-game stretch in the middle of their final few games. But I just think Otto Porter's turned into a max player. Why are we talking about Isaiah Thomas as an MVP and we don't talk about John Wall? I think that's crazy. True. Bradley true. Beal has been fantastic. And look, we know the stories. Do that Do that starting five get on off the court? Are they a, a high chemistry team? We're not sure about that. But this Wizards team has suddenly figured out how to play together. And I really think they're, they're very strong and, and they're close enough to Cleveland. They are, but I... Actually, I want to see a Boston-Washington series, if I can choose. You'll get it in the if second I round. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, but we can, have it, we can have it in the first round, right? If Boston is two and Washington is three. Boston, that's a, two and three. Yeah, 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 we can have it in the second round. Second round, round yeah. I'm, uh, I'm mistaken, I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that's what I want to see, that, that series, Boston-Washington. Um, but if one of those two teams gets the number one seat, then it's not a certainty we'll ever see. We won't see uh, that series. Uh, because Cleveland will, will make the conference finals uh, with ease. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. They, those two teams, they really don't like each other. They hate each other. We'll get some funeral games. Oh, at yeah. least one, right? At least one funeral game. Um, so that's what I'm actually hoping for if I watch, watch it from a pure basket perspective. Um, but, yeah, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. It only matters for, for the matchups in the first round. 
for example, when Milwaukee makes it, it's fun, more fun to see Milwaukee facing Cleveland than Milwaukee facing Boston, for example. But in the end, it doesn't matter for the Cavs. I really don't believe uh, they're in trouble. The only thing I would say is the Cavs, in terms of the seedings, the Cavs probably had the toughest last five games. They're at Boston, then they had mm-hmm. played Atlanta twice, one at home, one on the road, at Miami, and then against Toronto. All those teams are going to have su- seeds to play for. And yes, they're not, you know, the Cleveland are the best team in the conference in the league. We know that, but still a tough schedule. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Larry Sanders as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Bogut lasted less than a minute. He's gone and, and Sanders has had this mental vulnerability should we say that there's a curiosity here with him in Milwaukee had you know he plays in Milwaukee where the pressure's not on they're not winning at the time now he goes into a situation where you're supposed to play well every single night and it's interesting they're going to start him in the D League or the G League or the whatever they want to call it league <laughs> um, LeBron James is going to decide on Sanders right he, he's going to of course he determine is. whether he brings it every day he has to be ready. You have to be ready to play with LeBron. He's got his own standards, and um, if you mess up, then you don't play again. You, you get some chances with LeBron, but look at Dion Waiters. I think that's the, that's the best example. Um, if Dion got the ball and he could take a shot, he missed it. He wasn't fitting in in the system that Cleveland wanted to play, that LeBron especially wanted to play, and he was out. Larry Sanders, this is the, the best thing is he's cheap. It's just temporary that he's playing there. Um, so if it doesn't work out, fine. If it does work out, they can extend his contract and try something else. So this is a win-win for, for Cleveland either way. I don't think it'll hurt him if Sanders doesn't work out. And if he does, if he can give him 10 to 15 minutes of the bench, playing great defense, rebounding the ball, and dunking some easy passes he gets from LeBron James, then... Oof. He's a great addition for Cleveland. I want to see it first, but if he fulfills his potential, this is something that should scare the teams in the West. I think we just need to learn from that 14-15 season the Cavs had one of the most impressive playoff runs. They didn't win the title, but they just swept teams right, left and center. And even if they don't have this one seed, they're quite capable of going into any building and and winning 4-0. But... I just think the Eastern Conference, for all that we said about it the last few years, suddenly and surprisingly, it's improved and certainly at the top. Um, going to the West, though, one of the interesting races that not a lot of people are actually talking about because it doesn't seem like a race if you look at the seeds, the sixth and the seventh spots right now, Oklahoma <laughs> City have crept above Memphis quietly. They're now 38 and 29. Memphis 37 and 30, so a game back. The Thunder, three in a row, they've won. They're looking good. Watch the game against the Jazz at the weekend. This is interesting because we are slowly, maybe, going to have a Rockets Thunder. If the Thunder can keep the sixth seed, that'll be James Harden against Russell Westbrook. That's what everyone's planning for, right? I want to see that. I want to see Westbrook versus Harden. Don't care about the team. Just those two guys. They're going to have the ball in their hands for 50% of the game. They're going to take 30 to 35 shots each. We're going to see loads of three-pointers. Not a big fan of the Rockets game uh, each night. But that would be a fun series to watch in the first round. Uh, it's the a first shame the, the MVP's playoffs. not announced before then, because then if it was, we'd already have one of the two would be very, very upset and playing for a lot more. Oh, I hope Kawhi gets it in them. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> they're, both both, <laughs> they're both pissed. They're both taken <laughs> out on each other. 60 games both. Uh, 
60 games each in a game. Ah, you want to see that that matchup, right? That would be so fun. Absolutely. Houston versus OKC. The tempo will be crazy Absolutely. if they play each other. Oh yeah, wow. absolutely crazy. The schedules line up together. They both they play each other again one more time. Memphis has the home game. I think OKC has a pretty tough schedule. They have to play Toronto still. They have to go to Houston before the end of the season. They have to go to Phoenix, Denver, Minnesota. They they play a lot of games. Uh, I, I just think if they can keep this spot, Westbrook's MVP case obviously stays up. But for Memphis, interesting because they're, they, had, they were having a good season. They were having a very good season. Fisdale had them turned around. Now now you're questioning Gasol's effort. There's some talk about that from Memphis. They've got no... no or it's hurt. Or it's hurt. It's something with Gasol. He's, he's not looking like himself. Uh, he hasn't looked good lately. Um, I don't know if it's effort because Mark Gasol has always been a player who played hard and who mm. loves Memphis. So I, I, I don't believe he wouldn't put, a, put in the effort. Why, why would he, wouldn't he do that? I don't see a reason for that. I see no reason either because he, he had the decision. He had the contract to sign and he, he decided to stay. He was told where the direction of the franchise was going. Uh, but maybe he loves the club. He loves the franchise too. He does, but maybe he sees kind of where the career's going, the age, and the fact that Memphis has got no wings. They're relying on a 40-year-old Vince Carter, who is probably their best wing player, their best three-point shooter. James Ennis, yeah, did, you know, he's playing. Did for... you see? Did you see? Did you see Vince Carter's elbow to Devin Booker? Oh yeah. No, I thought Devin. I thought Devin Booker oversold it. Yeah, it was a little flop. It was. It was a little flop. I think he wanted to just have a story because Booker definitely grew up watching Carter. So <laughs> it's an incredible story, though. At 40, and then the, the, I heard an interview with him on a radio show yesterday, and he said there's no, absolutely no reason for me to retire next season. It, just keep going. There was a piece on Yahoo um, talking about what he has to do after a game where he goes back to the gym and he lifts and he d- works on all these core strength exercises and he's really pushed himself to c- continue. And why not? I mean, he's turned himself mm-hmm. from one of the best dunkers in the, in the game to one of the best three-point shooters. That's how he's extended his career. I never knew that he loved the game this much. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I never knew that, but I, I loved it. I, I, I was a big Vince Carter fan when it came out of UNC. Um how old was I when he came out? I was, th- I was 13 when he got drafted. So he was one of those guys I looked up to, especially because Michael Jordan just went uh, on his first retirement. Uh, his second retirement, excuse me. Um, and then, of course, you had the dunks oh, that rookie year. First of all, he had some amazing dunks. I, I remember the one against, against uh, Indiana when he took the baseline versus Chris Mullen and he pumped it between his legs <laughs> and threw it in. Backwards, and then of course yeah, you had a you had a 360 dunk, a real 360, not a 180, and he dunked it with one hand. He he held it the whole time with his one hand in the air. Oh, I was a beautiful player to watch, and and, and how he's he's evolved, he's evolved. I never guessed Vince Carter would be, would have become one of the most respected veterans in the NBA, especially uh, after the way he left Toronto and all the drama that went on over there. Never ever would have thought we would be seeing this kind of Vince Carter. But like you said, he's, he's their best wing. Troy Daniels isn't going to do it. James Ennis isn't going to do it. Um, Jermichael Green is a four, not a three. So, no. But they're a free fall, and the team just isn't good enough, I think, Memphis. And actually, I've always felt that way, even before the season started. Gazzola and Conley, they do it all. They make the team. Mm. Uh, Tony Allen is too old. Randolph is too old. They had their moments, their spurs in this season. Uh, Randolph, he, he did a, he did a good job coming from the bench. You know what you what you have with Tony Allen, even though it's thirty five, thirty six, his feet are still 
so so fast, so so quick. Um, but but Dennis, we've seen we've seen Fisdell take Tony Allen out recently, and mm-hmm. on this matchup specifically, OKC have the tiebreaker two one. You've got you're experimenting at this stage. Randolph's minutes are down even further. They're terrible on transition defense. I watched a couple of games last this week for the pod and so slow getting back because they missed so many shots. And I think their intrigue level has actually dropped down because we did always think like how are Memphis still still going? And Chandler Parsons, he's he's I mean, I get the frustration from the fans. He's never he's not been healthy this season. Now he's gonna be shut down for the rest of the season. He didn't Again. He, he ne- again, he never had his legs. He couldn't shoot the ball. There were some times when you'd take a jump shot where you you were like egging the ball to hit the rim. I get the fans' frustration, but they need to hope that it turns around because you've got two first-round picks on that trade. And next season, I think you owed about $90 million on this roster. And you mentioned Jermichael Green. He's going to get paid. So mm-hmm. it's kind of now a question of do we drop one of Zebo, Allen? Who do we let go? And how do we work out the Parsons thing? And, and that's... You know, if you're going to face the Spurs in the first round, and that that's going to be four nil, you're straight out the window. And then we're kind of thinking, well, where does this team go from here? They got a lot of money held up in a lot of guys. Yeah, that's that's true. But I think it was a, a dumb decision to sign Chandler in the uh, Boston in the first place. You knew what you were getting. You knew he wasn't healthy. He hasn't looked healthy in what is it, three years now? Mm. And the crazy this isn't this, this isn't new. They knew that. So. That's just a big mistake, uh, the front office in Memphis made. Yeah, and if, because it's Memphis, no one's really talking about it. If this was the Knicks, oh, I mean, come on, you'd be game. But it, it's crazy how quickly the NBA changes, though, right? Because the Rockets, they wanted Andrew Bogut because they were looking at him because they thought they were going to have a potential series with Memphis in the first round. They don't get Bogut. <laughs> Bogut goes out after a minute. His season's done, and Memphis are currently seventh. So who are you picking anyway for this? Who's going to get the sixth seed, do you think? Okay, see. I'm betting on okay, see. We I, want hard against hope, I hope Westbrook. So too. Yeah, I just want that. I think OKC has a better team than than Memphis, even though I don't think it's a great team. But they have Russell Westbrook this season, um, with the emphasis on this season because this is a, a, whole, a whole other Russell Westbrook. It looks like the, the the Westbrook we saw in '15 when Durant was out uh, with that foot injury, but he took it a step. He took it a step up, man. This is. We're seeing history when we're watching OKC. We have to realize that and we have to cherish that too because what he's doing, uh, even though we won't win the MVP, probably I don't think a guy who plays for the sixth seat can win the MVP award. Um, And look at Oscar Roberts, by the way, when he uh, averaged his triple-double, he was only fourth in MVP voting. Uh, Russell Chamberlain and I think Elgin Baylor or Jerry West, uh, all three of them topped um, Robertson that year. But... You just want to see OKC, Houston. So I'm betting on OKC. I'm hoping for OKC. Uh, let us just uh, get that first round series. That being said, I'm not. I'm not worried about OKC. They got a decent team. I love how Westbrook pads the stats a little bit. Last night, he uh, a little the, bit. The assists. <laughs> the assists were uh, ten point one, and he he went out and got nineteen. So he covered himself for a few more nights. Uh, we're talking to Dennis. I do have Sire. to say. I do have to Go. say. I don't. I don't. I don't like the way sometimes how the stat keepers give assists when someone takes five dribbles after a pass <laughs> that's not an assist no the, the classic Westbrook assist is the drive and dump to <laughs> Adams and Cantor they, they stare 
down at the floor, they hold the ball for two seconds, and then they do a little floater because they realize, oh, crap, if I don't shoot the ball, Westbrook's going to kill me. It goes in, <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, that's another assist. I love how Westbrook comes out early. He's, all he does is rebound and, and pass, and then once he's got those two tens, he's just firing away for his 40 points. That's a beautiful analysis. That's perfectly said. That's Russell Westbrook's 2016-17 yeah. in a nutshell. Well, you can't guard him. I'd pay to watch him. One of one of a few players. Uh, Dennis Syatt hosts the X-O's podcast. We're having a lovely chat about the playoffs. And I did have a, a fortunate to uh, share a hello with your girlfriend uh, at the top <laughs> of the show. And I'm, I'm hoping she's all right while you're in a separate NBA room that dedicated to talking to me. Yeah, she's okay. She's watching TV. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. She can handle uh, <laughs> some things without me. Surrounded by your NBA posters. Uh, that are famous on this show by the way now um <laughs> she, she's surrounded by one of them yeah in, in the living room i've got the michael jordan poster that's that's one of them oh hell the unc MJ. shot the, the unc shot in 82 is hanging in my living room while it's on my agenda because uh, we're, we're going to go to um the eighth spot in the west and then the first seed which is um also kind of yes. relevant irrelevant if whatever way you want to look at it but i saw your tweet and we're talking about michael jordan and it came up uh, we're going into the NCAA tournament, March Madness. We're not talking about a player. We're not talking about a coach. <laughs> we're talking about a daddy. And you know who I'm talking about, Mr. Ball, uh, who's helping and hindering at the same time his triplets, who are, in his opinion, all going to be NBA superstars, going to earn a multi-million dollar shoe deal. And the father of these kids could beat Michael Jordan back in the day. Um, lost his yep. vulnerability there, in my opinion. But go on, ha- have the floor. What are you making of this? <laughs> I only have to say one thing. He averaged 2.2 points a game. In <laughs> Do I need to say more than that? Or is, is, is it, or was it 3.3? I think it I'm was doubting. two. And if they're going to have a one-on-one with Michael Jordan, it better be first to one basket because he's not scoring more than that then. <laughs> no, and, and I, actually I want to see that. I want to see Michael versus Mr. Ball right now. Both in their 50s. Michael Jordan would kill that guy just because of what he's what he said he said michael jordan it's it's not fast enough to pass me okay um he can guard me i'm a bully in the post yeah <laughs> yep okay uh come on you want to see that right two older guys playing each other one trash talking before the game the other one trash talking during the game and kick him his butt uh yeah it, it's ridiculous mr ball the var ball um, respect for his sons, but the problem is, um, even before Lonzo Ball goes to the NBA next season, there are a lot of people who are going to dislike him just because of what his father is doing the last couple of weeks. I agree. He can't. He can't help it, Lonzo Ball. He says all the right things. I just want to play basketball. My father says what he uh, has to say. I can't stop him. He can't do more than that. He can just play ball and he d- does his thing. And then they started this sort of reality show. Lonzo Ball cannot. Lonzo Ball cannot say to his dad. None of them can. Dad, stop. Because that's always been the way it has been. The way he's brought them up. Mm. And you cannot. It seems that way anyway. They cannot go up to him and say, "Look, I think you've gone a little bit too far here." Because Lonzo Ball, of all intents and purposes, apparently is a very good teammate. Is a very good, you know, guy for the for the whole team. He doesn't play for himself. And the UCLA have won. They didn't win last year. They have this season. So in that respect, he's not playing like his dad is speaking. But I'm, I'm fine with his dad saying, 
my son's better than Steph Curry. I'm fine with him saying they're going to have a $100 million Nike deal, whatever it is, a shoe deal. A billion. A, bi- a, billion. a billion, okay. Well, <laughs> guess who made a billion dollars? Michael Jordan. And if you say this about MJ, that's where I have an issue because has he not thought that maybe the Air Jordan brand would, would be their shoe sponsor? And why is saying this going to help that? I think he's done both. I think he's done good and bad because let's be honest, did we know about Lonzo Ball? this much four or five months ago not really he's building a brand you know do we know who Fultz is in Washington we don't know anything about him because all we're talking about is Lonzo Ball but when you come out and say things like the Jordan thing and the Stephen Curry comparison I mean you're right they're going to have that arrow on their back their target on their back when they come into the league Max Whittle are you defending Michael Jordan oh what a pleasure to hear that (laughs) not quite not literally I would never actually defend Michael Jordan (laughs) No, yeah, you you could try, but it, it would it would have worked <laughs> even in his fifties. No, I, I agree uh, at one point, but I think you can compare it to Richard Williams, uh, Venus and Serena Williams' father. Yes, uh, what he was doing uh, early in their careers before they were big superstars, he was shouting, "My girls are gonna make it! My girls are gonna be the best in the world!" He was right. They both were, and one of them is maybe the best of all time. And they were uh, what fourteen, fifteen when he said that. Yeah. Yeah, I think Serena was 14. So, and you had Tiger Woods' father, who did the same thing. My, I've got a son at home, and he's going to be the best in the world, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, he became the best in the world. So, maybe he's right, but if I've, if I've got a son who plays in college, I will never do that, because you know it's uncomfortable for him. You you put a bull on his back, a bullseye on his back, you, he's the target now, and everybody wants to see what he does. If he plays one bad game at a tournament, He's going to get destroyed just because of what his father said. He will have to you, you, answer you, questions, right? Of course. You can see the headlines, right? Better than Steph Curry? Yeah. Question mark. Yeah, but that's how it's going to be. And that's his father's fault. So he's, I get that he's doing that if, you, yeah, if you've got confidence in yourself. But if you've got a little bit of common sense, you, you know you shouldn't be doing that. Because oh, you only do that if your son wants you to do it. And I don't think Lonzo Ball loves it that much that he's a... Uh, being compared to Stephen Curry, and that is bad, is saying that uh, the Warriors would be just as good if his son replaced Stephen Curry on that team. Um, if Curry went to UCLA, I think he would score 80 points a game. But, yeah, no. They're, clearly, tal- um, they're clearly talented, and he's clearly got, he's clearly got a, a, a direction with this. And, and But it's going to continue. You're going to hear more about it. When we go to the draft, you're going to keep hearing about it. So... We'll have to wait and see. Um, but have your respect. He also has to re- look what he's been saying to Charles Barkley too. Don't do that kind of just thing. Just respect. He's still yeah. one of the 50, 50 best players ever. And y- yes, he did win a championship. All right. And so Lonzo Ball, uh, um, what's his name? LeVar Ball, it's called uh, The Herd, I think. If he would have been listening to me some more, maybe he would have won something. Man, Charles Barkley has two Olympic gold medals. <laughs> he's won an MVP award. He's one of the 50 best players ever. And what has Mr. Ball done in his life, basketball-wise? No, he produced three sons who can play ball. Um, making a son or making a kid isn't that difficult. And just don't bring it back to yourself all the time. That, that's, the biggest, that's, that's the biggest problem. Um, Western Conference, eighth seed. Denver, currently 32 and 35. They are two and a half games above the Blazers, uh, three and a half games above the Timberwolves, and then... F- for its same difference to Dallas, who are in 11th. We're going to rule out New Orleans by now. That hasn't worked. It's been pretty tragic uh, with Cousins and, and Davis. And Davis is injured too. 
Davis is injured. He rolled his ankle last night. Yeah, so that's kind of not worked out. Denver, two and a half games above Portland, who look reju- rejuvenated under Yusuf Nurkic. You know, 26% uh, shooters, when, when people shoot around him under the paint, 26% are shooting. Nurkic is passing the ball well. He's scoring. We've got this kind of former team against Jokic, who's in Denver, that, that could potential fight for the eighth spot. Uh, Denver's looking all right right now, but they're kind of, they're just, they don't inspire you, right? Jokic is an exciting player. Everything else around that, yeah, you know, Chandler, uh, Wilson Chandler can play. Gary Harris is a young talent. Jameer Nelson is someone else who's defying logic. But Portland in this spot right now, ninth seed, two and a half games back. Uh, what what you what you seeing? They've got the tiebreaker with Denver right now, two one. I think they'll make it. I put I'm putting my money on Portland. Um, I love Nurkic there. Uh, we, we talked about it a month ago, I think. It was just the trade just happened. Um, with Nurkic um, going to Portland. I think we talked about it back then. And I liked it from the start because when we think back uh, to the first month in the NBA that Nurkic played, he was a good player. Everybody was talking about him. He was cocky. He was trash-talking. He was doing good things. He wasn't Jokic, but he, he was close to doing things that Jokic is doing right now. Nikola Jokic is just a better player than Nurkic is, but that doesn't mean Nurkic can't have a good role when surrounded the right way. And he is being surrounded the right way in Portland. Um, before Nurkic came, Lillard and McCollum had to do everything scoring-wise. We knew Nurkic can, can make, a, make a basket. We knew that already. He can rebound. He's a, he's a big guy, too. He's a tough guy. He, um, he li- I told you, he likes to trash talk, but you can see that in his game, too. He wants to back his talk up. And I think that's a good combination. It fits Terry Stott's system perfectly. Wondering when he'll have a mental breakdown because that's going to happen. He's that kind of player. We've seen it yep. every year um, in Denver that he has this little breakdown. But I, be- I believe in that team. Um, I do like Denver. Uh, maybe you don't like the roster that much, but I do like what they've got. Well, they've got I think stability. They have- I-, I, do like- I think Denver's got stability. And I, I honestly think they've been helped out by Moudier being out. Uh, I to be honest, that I, I think actually, uh, her, on the... that, that hurt, hurt the big word. But Moutier, I, I, I liked him when he when he came into the NBA. I, I, I like seeing him play. The eye test, that it's right. But when you look at what he's doing at the numbers, it's, it's terrible for the team. You got you got Gary Harris, Jamal Murray. They can create. Like I said, Chandler can go one on one with you, mm-hmm. and they run everything through Jokic. And I do, I, I really see that the the Moutier out, Jameer Nelson's playing so well. Uh, Denver, Portland, they play each other. Uh, on the 28th of March. And I think order's been restored in Portland, shall we say. Defensive efficiency's back. They got a deep team of creators as well. We don't don't always think of Portland. Portland have been... I think we just forgot about them all season because they haven't they haven't been in the playoff standings. If, if I said to you, Portland went to the second round of the playoffs last season, you'd been like, really? I forgot about that because they haven't <laughs> been around all year. But the Nurkic thing has rejuvenated them. They still have to decide what they're going to do with that backcourt. Uh, and I really think they need this eighth seed more than anyone else because this summer's going to be really interesting if they don't make it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think Portland will make it. They have the easiest easiest schedule. They have the tiebreaker versus Denver, but like you said, one uh, one confrontation left. Um, I think Portland will, will get it. I don't think it's a bad thing for Denver either to miss the playoffs. Um, they need to do some some stuff. I, I'm telling you, I like their roster, I like the combination they have, but need to do some stuff if they really want to wanna surround Jokic the right way and make some damage. Because I think with Jokic, you can create a team. 
and with Murray and with Will Barton and those kind of players, I think you can create a team that's competing for the fourth spot in the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, look, they had Chandler, they had Wilson Chandler, they had uh, Gallinari and a few other guys, even Moudier was, they were spoken about in trade talks in February and nothing happened. Chris Finch was in London, the assistant coach there, and he said in January that they weren't going to sell their soul to get the eighth spot. But now I think, you know, they'd like to experience the playoffs. They'd like these young guys to get some reps in the in the playoffs, even if it's against Golden State or San Antonio. Uh, mm-hmm. So, quick one on that. Who do you think is going to finish eighth? We didn't even mention Portland. Minnesota. No, Minnesota isn't going to make it. Portland. I think the Blazers will make it. Yeah, but Minnesota is close. But, two, but they have too many. They they have too many road games to make it. Yeah, two and a half games for Portland though. It's still quite a bit. The Mavs have a brutal schedule. They they play Golden State, Toronto, L.A. Thunder. <laughs> they got they got Washington, Toronto left. They got a really tough schedule. Um, but while we're on that, there's a few topics I want to hit before you go. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki gets thirty thousand points. Is this a guy who's just absolutely changed the the way we watch basketball, the way we the way it's played? Because twenty years ago, if you're a seven footer, you're not shooting from the three point range. You're not shooting from twenty. You're not shooting from the top of the key. And Dirk Nowitzki completely changed the way it's. It's played. He shoots over smaller defenders. He brings out opponents who are going to be defending him that aren't that agile on the, uh, that that far out. He's got that mm-hmm. classic leg kick where he fades away and puts one leg out. And I just think to stay with one team as well to play twenty seasons next year. It's been a it's been a cool story. I, I do think that Mark Cuban has hurt his team in a way because the loyalty to Nowitzki has maybe said they haven't won as many titles as they should have and Nowitzki hasn't been surrounded by very much talent but he's got the title he's got the MVP and now he's on 30,000 the first international to get that much uh, what were you thinking when that when that basket went down that that was history and it, it's amazing that a european player has done that if you look at the other five names um Karim Abdul-Jabbar Karl Malone Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan and who's the fifth one Will Chamberlain those are the five guys who scored 30,000 points. And the sixth man is Dirk Nowitzki. I was Deutschland. <laughs> He's ah, sehr, sehr gut, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. I can speak a little. Hey, German is an official language in Belgium. We've got three official languages. We've got Dutch, Fr- French, and um, German. So I have to speak I think we should German. try and have a conversation. Because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would say my partner is, uh, is Austrian. And I'm, I'm failing in the language department. But... If I said if I said wie geht's Dennis, wie geht's dir? I get good, get, I get good, ganz good. That's easy. How are you? I can answer those kind of questions. Please. No, to go back to, to go back to, I'm not going to talk in yeah, German. Please anymore. continue in English. <laughs> yeah, to go back to Dirk. Um, like I said, he he's changed the game, but I think we can't forget Bill Beer because if we talk about big guys with an outside shot, Bill Beer did it for the Bad Boy Pistons. Not that frequently like Nowitzki did it, but he was a center, he was six foot ten, and he, he scored his shots from the top of the key outside of the three-point line. But he, he wasn't that important, he wasn't, wasn't that a kind of game-changer, because he was actually he was a role player for, for Detroit, even though he, he had what, one or two also selections. But Nowitzki, so he's seven foot, everybody's saying he's six foot ten, six foot eleven, no, no, he's genuinely seven foot, he's got that high shot, um, the last years, his technique has changed a little bit, I think. Um, his shot isn't as pretty as it used to be, but in his prime, he had a stretch of 10 to 12 years where that shot was so 
beautiful, just beautiful. Um, I'd like to say uh, poetry in motion. That's what you saw when you saw Dirk Nowitzki shoot. And he's just changed it all. So now you see every step of footer, you, you, you want them to have an outside shot. And you, you didn't make that, that thought before 1998, even before 2000. He changed right after that. He evolved in such a great player. And I don't think anybody would ever think Nowitzki would, be, would have become this kind of player when he came into the league as a skinny German kid who only scored two points in his first game. Um, and now he's one of the best players ever. And the, the thing is, what, 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 what saddens me about the Dick Nowitzki story, if you ask somebody about the greatest NBA players ever, nobody will ever name Dick Nowitzki. Mm. The first 10, 10 names are always, will always be different guys. You know why, always. you know why though, right? And I think we should have shut the podcast down when you, you, you basically compare Bill Lambeer to Dirk Nowitzki. So that's probably why <laughs> he doesn't get no, the credit. No, no, no. I'm not insulting Dirk Nowitzki. I don't like Bill Lambeer, so I love Dirk. But you're right. You're don't right. Get me wrong. You're right because we don't, we just don't, it's just so illogical almost that you'd have a guy, he doesn't take himself seriously. He's funny. He comes in with a terrible haircut, terrible dress sense. <laughs> He's on the same team as Steve Nash. We forget that as well. And, and, and what, what could have been? But you're right. To get to 30,000 is, is a staggering thing. And you, you look at where he came from, the work he put into his jump shot. And it, it teaches you. And it's kind of the way the game's gone now. Positionless basketball. Tall guys have to shoot, have to dribble, have to be able to pass, see the floor. And he's got all of that. I, I went to a Laker game in 2010. And they played Dallas. And I just remember that Nowitzki was was keeping up with Kobe. He was hitting shots. He was athletic. So good to watch in his prime. And and the and the reality is, in his nineteenth year, he he's not kind of a guy who Dallas are throwing out there when they could have another option. They could have a better player. They're not doing what the Lakers did with Kobe. Mm. Dirk's a good player. He's still a good player. And he had the injuries at the start of the season and you worried about that. It looks like he's going to come back for a twentieth. And you saw the reaction of Mark Cuban and the, his teammates when he made the bucket. He's a mm-hmm. he's a god in Dallas, and I, I think if you're a young player, you've got to watch that and learn and, and just see how much skill he has. Mark Cuban was like a fangirl when oh, he was god. jumping there. He loved it. <laughs> but you had a good point, by the way, uh, when you said that uh, Mark Cuban screwed it up a little bit. Not Mark Cuban, but the um, the office, the the management didn't do a good job of surrounding Nowitzki, according mm. to me, because I think he could have been doing what Tim Duncan did, but then in his on his own way, in his own style, with his own specialties, not like, like Duncan did on the defensive end. But if you surrounded him the right way, like Duncan has been sur- being surrounded in San Antonio the last couple of, last five seasons, I think, I think the Mavericks could have stayed a contender. But if you buy Darren Williams, if you buy Wesley Matthews after he tears his Achilles, those are all things that you don't do when you really want to compete. That, to me, is a bad insight in the in basketball, in um, what you need to do to win a to win a championship or to compete for a championship. And if you look at that team uh, when they won the title, they had Jason Kidd, they had Jason Terry, Paige Stoyakovich, uh, Sean Marion, Sean Marion, yeah, Karen Butler was there, Corey Brewer, Tyson, young Corey Brewer, no, Tyson Chandler, Tyson Chandler, Tyson Chandler, yeah, but, but but still not. I mean, Jason Kidd learned how to shoot the three uh, as he got on, but even then, they weren't supposed to win that against Miami. And you know, if Dirk leaves a career with no titles you're thinking what could be but I really do think that Cuban either had to surround him with more talent 
or mm-hmm. he should have been less loyal to Dirk, but he, I think he wants to see him retire as a Mav. There's there's um a few a few more things to to go over. Um, the Lakers now the Lakers have shut down Mozgov and Deng for the rest of the season. Nick Young's been out the rotation. They've decided that Terry Black is not good enough. Uh, they need that top three pick, otherwise it goes to the Sixers. They're gonna play the that's young why. guys. Yeah, that's why. But you know they they've they're, they're fully ut- they're embracing that fact now. Luke Walton says that it's gone well this season in terms of how the culture's been and, and what the practices are like and the style of play. Uh, but they're now fully in the the tank mode because they need that pick. I like that. I like that for the Lakers. Um, I don't like it as a basketball fan, but he's giving the young guys a chance to fail. That's always good. That's always good. They've got nothing to play for, but they can get, can get them more than NBA feeling in second year for Russell, third year for Clarkson and for Randall, first year for Ingram. These are just some good games to, 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 get, to get the feeling for the next couple of years. Then and Mosgoff and Young, they are a part of the future for the Lakers. The core young guys, they are. Uh, even, what's the thing, Zubic, Zubac? Uh, the yeah, big, the guy. I know. I, I need to get the name right. I'm going to check it now. The big uh, center, I think, it's from from Croatia. Um, He's been playing. I, I, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind it that they're doing this for real. I don't mind it. Um, I, I want to see an evolution in Brandon Ingram, and I want to see it on the court. It's uh, Ivica Zubac. Ivica that's, Zubac. Uh, that, yeah, he got twenty yeah, twenty five and eleven the other night against Denver. I, I, I uh, listened to Bill. Uh, Sorry, Luke Walton on the Bill Simmons podcast. I'm sure you heard it as well. Yeah, and uh, I found it interesting when Bill asked him about you know uh, Ingram's potential, and, and we 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 heard that the Cousins trade to the Lakers was a definite no-no because the Lakers weren't going to give up Ingram. And and you hear some people say that he's too skinny; he's never going to be more than an okay player. And Luke Walton was so oh, I don't know he's going to say this about his own player, but I really felt like he believed what he was saying in terms of. He has the potential to be a great player. Now, he's always going to be a very good player when he gets there and he works on his game. Uh, he's got a great jump shot. He's got the ability. And, he, and Luke was saying how much of it, how smart he was as a player. And, and when he can shoot a little bit better, it means the team doesn't have to go under every screen and they can be yeah. honest with him. And then that's about how he makes decisions. And he's got the ability to do that when they do pressure him more, when he's got a good shot. So... I mean, it, it, what way do you see it right now? Are you looking at more of Walton's opinion or do you think he's just going to be a, 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 an okay player? I think he's going to be a good player. Not better than an okay player, but not a superstar. Look, he's no Kevin Durant. Let's make, let's make sure of that. He's no Kevin Durant. But when Durant came into the league, everybody was complaining about how skinny he was. He couldn't lift. He couldn't do this. He couldn't do that because he wasn't strong enough. And then he started playing and he convinced everybody. Durant was a superstar the moment he came into the league. He was a superstar at Texas. Brandon Ingram never was that superstar at Duke. He was good, but he wasn't great. I think he'll do the same thing in the NBA. He'll become good. Mm. I don't think he'll become great, but how do we know that? That guy, is he already, has he already turned 20 years old? I don't think no, so. No, he he's hasn't. Still ni- he's still 19. Yeah. He's a kid. He he should have been playing his second year in Duke. I think he could have used that. I think that about a lot of players actually who uh, well, Adam are Silver does too now. There's gonna be there's gonna yeah. be talk of that for the next CBA. I know it's difficult. I know the guys want to make their, earn their money. Uh, if you look at where they come from, so I get that and I I respect that too. But pure basketball wise, some players need to play a year more in college. Some players don't. But that's why around. having Walton as your coach is good because he's going to yeah. develop. And the way this team is right now, and, and Walton said himself, that when he sees Ingram go over a player and dunk on him, 
he sees that confidence. Uh, what, what do you make of the Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka moves? Great move. Great move. Um, it hurts for Mitch Kupchak because Kupchak, I think it was a good general manager. He did really nice things um, when Dr. Buss was still alive. But he, he, got, he got Kobe Bryant Pau Gasol. Only that trade is something he can write down on his resume as one of the biggest steals in NBA history. Nobody knew that Fat Mark would become Mark Gasol in the end. Um, but if you look at it now, you've got Magic Johnson for the appeal to lure players to, to L.A. for a conversation, for a talk, to be the face of the franchise. Um, he's a three-time MVP. He's a five-time champion. He's one of the five best players of all time, in my, in my opinion. So that's something that can interest, can attract some players. It's also good for the young guys because they've got somebody to look up to. It's Magic Johnson. That's somebody they have to play for. Um, and then you've got Ropalinka who can do everything behind the scenes, who can negotiate because he knows everything about NBA contracts. When, you're an, when you've been an agent for that long, when you've been a confidant of Kobe Bryant, when you've been James Harden's uh, agent, um, he knows how to do that. He knows how contracts work. He knows how players think because he's been an agent and he knows basketball. Don't forget, that guy was a member of the team. Uh, <laughs> Fab of the, Five. The cool, of the coolest college basketball team ever, the Fab Five. Yeah. And the guy, the guy knows the CBA, like you say. I just want to wait and see because when Magic was appointed at first... I was a little bit dubious because Jeannie Buss has been going on a state. Uh, she's been raging. I mean, imagine having to fire your brother, first of all. What, how, how does that conversation go down? Hey, bro, good to see you this morning. By the way, you're sacked. Um, but, and, and Magic Johnson's coming back as an advisor and suddenly he's the VP. Uh, you, saw it, it coming. you saw it coming from miles away. Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, but I'm going to wait and see on this one because I do like the Palinka move. I do like the fact that he knows agents. He know, he's got contacts all around the league. He knows players well. Uh, but the irony is that you know he worked out the contract for Kobe Bryant the final two years of his career, which basically <laughs> bottomed out the Lakers and made them non-competitive. Well, now he's their GM. So we'll wait and see on that. Last one, because I forgot to get to it in the playoff races... The really intriguing one, it's going to be one of the best first-round series, in my opinion. Utah, uh, Clippers, Jazz are currently in the fourth spot, two games ahead of L.A. Clippers are playing well again. Um, the question i got for you is, who do you think needs the home court more? Because, I mean, I'm looking at Utah right now, and mm -hmm. I see a team that has to show up in the playoffs because they have to send a message to Gordon Haywood and George Hill, both free agents at the end of the season. You know, what do they need in order to re-sign? And the Clippers are vulnerable. I think if they're at home, they are the favorites. So in my opinion, the Jazz need that fourth spot. They've, they've got a good team, and they're probably going to be without favors next season. So this this is the time, and I, and I think they need it more. I think they both need the, need the home court, actually. Mm. I think they are very similar. They look similar. Um, it's a good matchup for both teams, or a bad matchup for both teams, either way. Um, I think they look alike. You look DeAndre Jordan one side, Rudy Gobert the other side. Um, you've got Chris Paul, superstar point guard. You've got George Hill, good defender. He's a decent point guard. At the three position, you've got Hayward, all right. But then the Clippers have Blake Griffin. Mm -hmm. You've got Rodney Hood. You've got JJ Redick. I, I, I think they're really similar in uh, what they can do on the court. But like you said, Utah has to do something because they want to keep George Hill and Gordon Hayward because they're becoming free agents. But... It's Hill and Hayward who have to make sure that it works because they are the two best players on the team. 
So it all depends on those two guys for me. Um, yes, you got Gobert, but he does his things. Hill and Hayward have to pull everybody forward. They have to have to lead by example. They beat the Clippers on Monday, 114-108. They had five guys in double figures. By the way, Gordon Hayward, he has the slickest hair of any player in the NBA. Like He really cares about his appearance, right? Yeah, did you, there was a meme um, with some pictures of Gordon Hayward and started winning a rookie year from, uh, from the boy next door, um, you know, the perfect son-in-law to, um, <laughs> to the guy you don't want to give your daughter uh, to because he looks, so, <laughs> he looks so slick right now. He looks like a, like a real player. Yeah. Uh, that, this isn't the Gordon Hayward I knew from Butler, but I, I've always loved, liked his game. I liked him at Butler. Uh, I followed him in his, uh, in his years there, especially the last year when they made the championship game against Duke and he missed a half-court shot. Uh, remember, remember that. Um, I like his game. I don't think he's going to stay. I'm, I see him going, I see him going to, the, to, the, to the Celtics. Yeah, because the connection with Brad, Brad Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, but I, I still, I mean, I, I don't think Boston needs him. I, I, I like their dynamic. I don't think he would put them over the top. No, he wouldn't. But he, hey. he's, good as, he's good as a number two guy. Yeah, is Isaiah Thomas enough as the number one guy? That's the question you have to ask yourself then, and I don't know that. I like that move. If they if they had the high pick, they bring in Hayward. That's fine with me. Dennis, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I guess I'm going to ask you quickly: Warriors or Spurs for the one seed in the West? You can give me a one word answer. Uh, damn. <laughs> Spurs. I am going to. T- I I I, I, w- I would say Warriors, <laughs> but I know. Aldrich is coming back tonight, so that changes everything. Yeah, Golden State do not want Memphis in the first round, especially if Durant's just coming back. Uh, but that's a no, story for another day. We're going to have you on again uh, when it's the playoffs. I can't believe we're only, what, three weeks away and we'll be into playoff basketball. That's pretty pretty crazy. Flies by, flies by. It does. Well, good luck. Uh, what, what game are you calling at the weekend? Have you got any coming up? Yeah, I've got um, Detroit versus Phoenix. So... An art matchup, actually, to be broadcasting. So, yeah, Pistons versus Suns. That's uh, the game we're doing uh, this Sunday evening. You have to sell that one. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> I will let you get back to your girlfriend and Michael. Have a good evening. And you too, my man. <laughs> we will speak soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Dennis Sight there heading back to his bedroom to speak to Michael Jordan on his wall. Until next time, and the NBA is going to be a focal point going forward, the playoffs not too far away if you like what you heard please go to iTunes and leave the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle a lovely review or a one star review if you thought that's what it deserves we're also on Audio Boom at the US Sports Podcast official page thank you for listening and until next time of course enjoy staying up late and enjoy those games <laughs>